months. And then they're like, well, we've always wanted to travel. So maybe we'll go travel for a month and then maybe six months and then maybe a year. And so we hit the road for a year and here we are on our sixth year still traveling and loving it. Hey, this is Steve Padgett. Welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 175. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs, and today's episode, I'm interviewing one of the coolest people that I know, Abby Holcomb. Abby is the daughter of Kathy and Peter Holcomb, two of our dear friends who have spoken at our conference, been on this podcast, I think maybe even multiple times, and together they represent one of the most adventurous families that we've ever come into contact with. Abby recently won fourth place at the World Championships for freestyle kayaking. She's the youngest person to ever kayak the entire length of the Grand Canyon, and she's been traveling full-time in an RV since she was 10 years old. You may remember her if you watched the videos from our 2018 RVE Summit, which I'll link to in the show notes of this episode if you haven't, where she gave a keynote talk sharing her story of what it was like kayaking the Grand Canyon. There was some really amazing footage in there of her looking at these different crazy rapids and uh, kind of talking through her doubts and pumping herself up and some of the moments where she was so excited that she accomplished this amazing feat at only 12 years old. And together with her parents, the Holcomb spent over 300 days a year out on the water doing what they love, kayaking, while her parents are adventure photographers and have worked with some amazing brands like Winnebago and Red Bull. I wanted to bring Abby on the show to hear more of her story and everything that she's accomplished because of the fact that her parents decided to uproot their lives in Colorado a few years ago in favor of hitting the road. I've talked with a lot of people on the show who have kids, but I've never actually talked to the kids to hear what is it like when your parents decide that you're going, they're going to move everything into an RV and go travel uh, and how she's been able to balance her schoolwork making friends and her craft of kayaking and what this lifestyle has changed in her and enabled for her. And maybe I'm just a bit more thoughtful of this now that we have a three-month-old daughter and I'm thinking about how can we create an adventurous life for Ellie. But I loved this conversation with Abby because she not only shares her insights into what it's taken for her to become an elite kayaker in the world, but what this interesting lifestyle has gifted her as far as like time, access to beautiful places, and creating some really amazing friendships. And before we get into this episode with Abby, I wanted to mention that on September 25th, 2019, we're releasing our next batch of tickets for our fourth annual RV Entrepreneur Summit. This is an event now that we've done. This will be our fourth one. It's a four-day business conference for people who travel and work from the road. So if you are wanting to go out and buy an RV and travel around the country or you're already out traveling, we would love to have you. Uh, we released our early bird tickets a couple weeks ago. They sold out already, and every year the event sells out. So September 25th at 10 a.m., we'll release our next batch of tickets for the RVE Summit. And if you want to learn more or you're interested in coming and want to check out more about the event, you can go to therventrepreneur.com. All right, let's get into today's show with Abby Holcomb. Abby, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. Thank you. I'm super excited. I mean, you've done so much, Abby, at a young age. You're the... Uh, youngest person to ever kayak the whole length of the Grand Canyon, and then you went back and did it again. You've traveled all over the country with your awesome parents and y'all's RV, spoken at uh, events like our RVE Summit, and recently placed fourth in the world's uh, in freestyle kayaking, which 
congratulations. And uh, so you've done so many amazing things. When you meet somebody new out on the road or you're talking to somebody, like how do you describe kind of like your lifestyle and what you do? Basically, I've been living in an RV since I was 10 years old. We've been traveling around in North America for the past five years. And just recently, we shipped a van over to Europe, partly so I could compete in the world championships and partly just so we could explore elsewhere as North America was feeling a little bit small. A lot of people ask me what I do for school, and I've been doing online school for the past five years, but I'm actually switching to an open school this year. That was like the most concise like answer. And whenever people ask me, Abby, what I do, I'm going to hire you as like a speaking coach for me because at certain times, like whenever people ask me what I do for a living or like what our work is and something like that, I will like flail on for five minutes and it's painful to watch. So like the fact that you're just like, bam, 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 I spit it all. You just didn't know, you don't overthink it, which is is really good. That's awesome. Do you remember like when your parents like how they had that conversation with you because you guys were living in Colorado and they were and they had their in-person photography business and they were like, hey, we're yeah. we're going to go like buy an RV. Do you do you remember those conversations? Yeah. So it actually started off with we're going to move up to the mountains. We lived in Boulder and they Boulder, Colorado, and they wanted to move up to the mountains for more adventures, hiking and all that stuff. And so at first it was like, whoa, what am I going to do about my friends? Like. I was a little bit worried, but I was super excited to go live up in the mountains. And then they're like, well, we've always wanted to travel. So maybe we'll go travel for a month and then maybe six months and then maybe a year. And so we hit the road for a year and here we are on our sixth year still traveling and loving it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's crazy. With your friends and stuff like that, uh, how has that been? Like, have you been able to keep some of those friendships? Have you made new ones? I'm sure with as much as you guys have moved around, that's been hard, but I also know that you spend a lot of time in Tennessee in the winter months, like kayaking yeah. and things like that with the Jackson family. So I'm assuming mm-hmm. that you've gotten really close with them as well. So yeah. how has how, how have friendships been on the road? So it started off in elementary school. I had my little friend group and I think my parents and I were both kind of worried about what would happen moving on the road and traveling to all these places. And so when we hit the road, my parents gave me a phone and to keep in touch with my Boulder friends. But what we realized was not only did I have my little group in Boulder, I made this huge community all over the US and now the world. And so I have my group of friends in Tennessee and North Carolina and on the West Coast and now all over the world after the World Championships. So it's crazy how many people we've met from this adventure. Yeah, you kind of feel like you can like drop in and get plugged into people. And what I like, and I don't know if you guys have felt this, maybe, but I feel like when it comes to making friends when you're living in an RV, it's almost you're almost at a huge advantage because we've been stationary the, the past like six months as we've been getting acquainted to having a baby and things like that. And yeah. it's been a lot harder to make friends when you're in one place in a weird way because it's like you meet somebody and you, you like see them casually, maybe in the office or if you're in school or whatever. And then after a certain time, you're like, hey, do you want to like hang out and like grab dinner with a group of friends or something like that? Um, and then it's like, OK, but when you're in an RV, it's like, oh, we can park next to each other exactly. and we can uh, go on go on a cool kayaking trip together and we can eat breakfast together. and We can go on walks and hikes in the afternoon. And it's almost like you're you're like speed dating with friends and people <laughs> that you get really close with in a, in a weird way. Um, And you just get closer much faster, right? Yeah, and I think a big part of it is when you live in a place, you're kind of the main common interest with those people is that you live in the same location. And when you're traveling, you can really find people that have the same interests as you, whether that's hiking or 
business or kayaking or whatever that is and really find friends that you have a lot in common with. Yeah. So you guys were going to hit the road temporarily, extended long term, obviously. So I know when I talk, when I've, hang, when I've hung out with you guys before, your parents have thrown out different numbers for like how many days a year you guys spend out on the water kayaking. I, th- I think it's like over 300. Would you say that that's still right? Definitely. Yeah. It's getting more and more every single year. <laughs> <laughs> so like when you, if you had like a typical day over the past six years now, which is crazy to think about, uh, what, what is like a typical day in the Holcomb RV household? There isn't really any typical day. It's always chaos and we're not really sure where we are, or what we're doing, but we have a few main priorities and that's spending time together as a family during the school year, getting my schoolwork done or any other work I have or my parents' work. And then going kayaking is a big one or doing something in the outdoors. So those are our main three priorities every day and we try and fit those in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, are there, how do you guys always like make sure and put an emphasis? Cause I'm sure there's some days where you're like, I just need to get more schoolwork done or something like that. Like, is there somebody out of the three of you guys who is like the most emphatic and who who has a more of a tendency to like, stick around and work versus like go out and get on the water or all three of you guys like we need to get outside I think my mom is definitely the one who um, likes to be the most productive or stays most on top of it my dad and I definitely love kayaking I probably am the worst about it but um, yeah it's really hard to balance it and that's something we're actually changing this year so in the past my online school has been you do 500 math problems and you just sit and you do all this busy work And this year at the open school, they have five passages and they're really up to interpretation of how to complete them. So one of them is the adventure passage. And it's like, I can take what I learned on the Grand Canyon trip whenever I did that incredible 30 day trip and really analyze the emotional impact it had on me and reflect that into a written piece for my schoolwork. Or another one is building a documentary for the creative process. And it's just, it's super interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you already done the one? Let's, let's dig into, let's do some homework, Abby. Let's talk about your okay. experience doing the Grand Canyon. So you did this the entire length of the Grand Canyon for somebody who maybe didn't hear your talk at our conference or doesn't know the story. You did the entire length of the Grand Canyon, which is how many miles? It's 285 miles. And you were how old? 13? I think I was 12 then. 12, 12 or 13. Oh, okay. All right. Making me feel bad about the things I accomplished <laughs> when I was 12. So I guess walk me through, like, had this been something that was on your radar for a long time? Like, how do you build up and just decide I'm going to go kayak? Because there's some gnarly rapids. I know when at our conference, you were showing some of the videos of the, what do you call them? Shoots? I, that's probably a layman's term. Like, what is the correct word for like a series of like intense rapids? Just rapids. Just rapids. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> some big. There were yeah. some big rapids. Um, yeah. So how did you work up to to this whole idea of kayaking the whole Grand Canyon? In so I grew up in Colorado, and the whole kayaking community there, since it's so close to the Grand Canyon, always talked about it. And they, I mean, the whole kayaking community in general knows about the Grand Canyon. And so I grew up hearing about these stories, both good and bad, of all these people going down the Grand Canyon, and it was kind of overwhelming in the sense of it just seems so big and something like I wouldn't be able to do especially because I was like six when I was hearing these stories <laughs> and um, I always heard my parents talking about oh how amazing would it be if we got a permit and they were applying for a permit for 10 years so my whole life pretty much wow. I was hearing about them talking about it and then 
when I was nine, my dad got to go on a trip and it was self-support and I wasn't good enough at the time. And then he came back and showed us all these amazing pictures and videos of the canyon. And I think that definitely got me a little bit excited. And my dad, like for him personally, he just wanted to kayak the whole thing and run every rapid and just enjoy the canyon to the most he can. And I think that kind of got in my head. And then when we got a permit, I decided that I was capable enough and I put it in my head to run the whole entire thing. And when you when you guys got the permit, was it like a little bit of fear slash adrenaline and excitement running through your body? Did you sit down with your parents and be like, I'm doing this, guys, and have a conversation? Or was it just like, no, I think I'm, I think I'm there and we'll do it? I think at first I wasn't sure if I wanted to go and if it was the trip for me. I was definitely really, really scared um, as I knew the rapids were really big. And so I kind of thought about it. We had a year to think about it and prepare and plan. And the more and more we talked about it and got all the details figured out, the more I fell in love with it and the more excited I got. I remember you telling a story. There was one particular set of rapids in the Grand Canyon that you guys got to and you basically got out and sat around for like an hour or two hours or something like just looking at it and analyzing it. What was what was that set of rapids like? So that set of rapids is called Lava Falls. It's the biggest rapid on the Grand Canyon. And it starts off with this big churning ledge hole, which is a hole is a recirculating wave that can hold your kayak in. And some of them are playful, like the ones we do in the uh, world championships. And this one was a little more dangerous. And after that were these really big 10 foot waves, maybe even bigger. And the whole rapid, when you look at it, is just overwhelming. And so I had to sit on the rocks for three hours and analyze each and every bit of lava falls and really break down the little pieces of the rapid so it wasn't so overwhelming and find that I could do it when I look at the small pieces. And what kind of like was the tipping point? Like what was what was going through your mind during this time? Like you were obviously looking at it and analyzing it, but were you like self-talking like I can do this, I can do this? Like what what was your, your inner dialogue that was happening? A lot of crying. <laughs> and I was really thinking, do it took my parents ten years to get here and I really wanna run the whole entire canyon. And it felt like such a waste to just because I was a little bit scared on a rapid that I was completely capable of to not run it. And so it was more just mustering the courage to push myself and believe in myself that I could do it. So it was under like really analyzing the rapid and looking at, oh, well, this bottom part of the rapid is only one big wave. If I flip in it, I'm okay. And this part of the rapid, if I flip in this or if I go the wrong way, I'll be okay. And I have enough time to prepare for the bottom of the part or the bottom of the rapid. And it was really just understanding that I was more than capable. And it was just a really big moment for me realizing that there's so much that I'm capable of, just like lava. Do you feel like that whole like experience of kayaking the Grand Canyon, like when you left it, you kind of had a whole new appreciation for your, your skill set and where you were at? Definitely, yeah. I was super excited to go more kayaking. I was excited to go work on my freestyle and really push myself there and run harder rapids. And anytime I got to a hurdle, it was like, oh, well, I'm stuck on this school problem. Well, I can run Lava Falls, so I got it, or whatever it was, or a different rapid. Yeah, so for somebody who is not familiar with the kayaking space, 
Uh, when you say freestyle yeah. kayaking, can you explain? I, I mean, I've got to see you and your dad and your mom do like freestyle kayaking. Essentially, you did it in the yeah. pool at the Jellystone Park for our, during our, yeah. one of our summits, which was really fun <laughs> for people to watch. But can you explain yeah. that to people who don't really under, know what that is? Yeah. So the river forms waves, just like the ocean, but instead of moving waves, they're standing, and we can surf them, and throw tricks. So I'm throwing acrobatic tricks like cartwheels and loops and flips and all, turns and all sorts of different acrobatic f- tricks in my kayak. And it's, and it looks really legit. And when I was, it was funny <laughs> watching uh, you online at worlds and I didn't know this, but I guess somebody tipped you over when you were younger and freaked yes. you out when you were underwater and you didn't <laughs> kayak for like six more months. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. I was very little and I was just starting to get confident getting underwater. So the funny thing about me when I was little is I hated the water. Like I did not like to swim. I, my parents would like drag me to swim lessons and like yank me in the pool. Like I was terrified of water and I was slowly starting to overcome that fear. And I was getting in my kayak and I was getting used to being upside down. And then he flipped me over and I was completely petrified and wouldn't get back into a kayak. But now we love them and we hang out with them all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's awesome. I mean, with being on the road now for six years almost, and like that's that's a big part of like your your youth that you've been able to travel and you've had such a unique lifestyle. Do you feel ever feel like you have you've missed out on like the traditional like growing up, um, even though you've had like such a cool life? Do you ever have days where you're like, oh, I just had I wish I it was a bit more regular or no? I think as far as training goes, consistency is really nice when it comes to training and like waking up every morning to run and having that routine. But as far as just being a normal kid, not really. My friends last fall actually drove me to a homecoming dance. I really wanted to go (laughs) kayaking and our flight got in at three and the dance was at six and I was trying to convince them to let me go kayaking. I was like, who cares if my hair is wet? Who cares about makeup? Like I want to go kayaking, but I ended up going to the dance instead and I had fun, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I'd rather be kayaking. <laughs> I'm sure it's probably hard. I know that for Alyssa and I, it's sometimes hard to relate after like a few years of living this really weird life where we're traveling around in an RV and like making or doing our own business and stuff like that. When you, yeah. If you talk to somebody who's had like a totally different path, I mean, fa- friendships are like the foundation of them are built on like common interests. So I'm sure if you're talking to another kid and, and they're talking about like, something really petty that's happening or gossip in school and you're just like Definitely. yeah I'm trying to compete at the elite level for the <laughs> world championships and freestyle kayaking like it, it might be hard to have that conversation right yeah we definitely still have that in freestyle it's just a little bit different but yeah definitely yeah how do you feel like being on the road has do you do you feel like you would be at this level of kayaking if you guys had been stationary or even without having that consistent training, like, I guess, waking up in the same place, like, you've been able to go to a lot more places. Like, do you feel like you'd be where you are now um, if you guys hadn't hit the road? I definitely would not be where I am today without traveling. When we hit the road, I didn't really enjoy kayaking. I didn't really fall in love with kayaking until I was 11. Ironically, at the 2015 World Championships in Canada. And I got out, I got to go kayaking with world champion Emily Jackson. And then the next day, former world champion Claire O'Hara. And yeah, it was just, they really pushed me. And just like what I learned at Lava, they helped show me that I was capable of paddling big rapids and flipping my kayak back right side up if it got flipped over. And um, yeah, so that was a really powerful 
shift in my perspective of kayaking. But if we hadn't have been on the road, I wouldn't have known that. And I probably wouldn't be into kayaking. Yeah. Did Emily get to watch you? Was she there in Spain this year at Worlds? Yeah, she was. She actually got fifth and killed it. Oh, man. So I'm sure that had to have been really cool for her to like see you as somebody who was kind of into kayaking, but not maybe, you know, really into it like you are now to go from yeah. that um, to, you know, competing at, on the world stage had to be really cool for her. Yeah, definitely. It was super cool. Um, Claire just had a baby, so she wasn't super focused this year just because she's still recovering and her abs aren't where they used to be. Mm-hmm. And so she kind of spent this year coaching more so than competing, but she competed and crushed it as well. She did so amazing. But um, it was super cool since her and Emily both helped me to get where I am today and to have Claire sitting on the rock in between my rides, coaching me and giving me hugs and telling me how telling me what tricks to do and how to perform it was just so amazing and helped shape my experience so much more. That's awesome. So yeah, let's talk about a little bit more about Worlds and getting there. So you guys bought, y'all have been in a Winnebago view uh, for a few years. So if you don't know, that's a, it was like a 24 foot rig. So there's like a U-shaped dinette couch with a bed. And I guess there was a bed that came down that you probably slept in. Is that right? Or did you sleep on the dinette? There was a cab over bunk. That a I cab over bunk. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yep. So you guys had that. And I'm, I'm assuming I've heard the phrase like people live out of vans, not in the van. So um, when <laughs> it came to you guys, y'all, y'all spend so much time outside that it probably, you know, it was a small space, but you're always out doing stuff, you know. Um, and now y'all are in a Winnebago Revel. And I think the mm. Revel's like, what, 22 feet? Maybe even shorter than that, like 20 foot? I don't even know. Something like I know that. It's- six meters six so meters there you go <laughs> yeah you're you guys are in europe right now so you're you're yeah. communicating in meters so y'all bought a revel it's a four by four which is really sweet and yeah and then y'all shipped it over to europe so how has the transition been of like moving in and having three people be in that small of a space yeah so we had a little bit of a transition period the week of team trials which were in march we sold the view and swapped it for the revel And we had a travel trailer with us, too. I think it was, like, 20 feet long, maybe? Mm -hmm. Maybe a little less than that. And so we had a little bit of extra space to allow us to adjust to the Revel. And we'd take weekend trips to get used to it and dial it. And then when we got here, we had the Revel for a week. And then I also had an apartment in Spain while we were training. So it we definitely took a longer time to adjust. But now we're loving it. Yeah. What have been some of the highlights so far of traveling in Europe? And like, how is it different than traveling in in the States as far as like RVing goes? The roads are much narrower and driving is definitely a lot more scary. So we can't drive as far. It's a lot more taxing on my parents, but it's been super amazing. There's been some really cool hikes that we've done right now in Norway. So there's incredible kayaking and hiking and just beautiful scenery. Yeah. And you guys went over there and Worlds was hosted in Spain. Mm-hmm. And so are you still, are you in school right now or it's about to start back up? I was doing school during Worlds and I finished like two weeks ago and then I start back up again on September 1st. And is Worlds kind of like other events where it's like every so many years kind of thing or is it every year? It's every other year. Okay. And so you'll, you'll, you're already probably starting to think about like coming back to compete again. Definitely. Yeah. I was, it was such an incredible experience meeting so many amazing people and world champions and just incredible people that alone was just worth it let alone the kayaking yeah and um i'm so excited i'm already planning going to the next world's in nottingham uk and so i'm already excited for that (laughs) it's cool to see what like 
RVing has enabled for you guys and traveling around and going to all these amazing bodies of water to kayak. If you were talking to a family who was like thinking about hitting the road in an RV and they had like somebody who was around your age when they first started, like, what would you, what would you say to them if they were thinking about that, but had fears around like maybe homeschooling or road schooling or or things like that? I think the one thing that I would change if we were to do it again is I wouldn't go with online school. I would focus more on like, obviously school is really important and a diploma is super important, but what we're doing is super important too. And all the opportunities I get every single day. When I was 10, I went gold panning on the American River in the exact town the gold rush started and or the California gold rush started. I, I mean, I've had all these incredible opportunities for my education and a lot of them I've had to turn down because of my schooling. And so I think my biggest advice would be to take advantage of the opportunities for your education and traveling. And if that's missing a few math problems to go do that, then it's totally worth it. Basically saying that if you're going to travel around and you have a chance to like go do an educational experience versus like sit on your computer, then take advantage of the in-person experience. Yes. I think it's called unschooling. We didn't know about it until this year. And then we found out about it and it's like the coolest thing ever. (laughs) I mean, it sounds legit because it's like you're basically do whatever you want. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, Outside of kayaking and RVing and road schooling, uh, I know you've also done like speaking. You spoke at our event. Have you spoken in other places as well? Because I know that at a certain point when we when we hung out with you and your parents that you were talking about like that was something you would love to pursue more is speaking professionally. Yeah. So my first time speaking in front of a large amount of people was when I was nine and it was in Buena Vista, Colorado in front of probably 50 or to 100 people. And after that, I fell in love with it. And so I was speaking at Winnebago Grand National Rallies and different kayaking gear shops and all over the place with my family. And then after my Grand Canyon trip, I really started, I realized that that was a super important message, especially for young girls and young boys and adults too, that it is important to realize that we all can do anything in one way or another. And so I've been speaking a lot more. My goal for the end of the year is when we're back in the States in an English speaking place (laughs) that to do three um, speaking gigs and to work on my public speaking. But um, I'm really focusing on building a better show and all that this year right now. Yeah. What what are some of the things that you feel like you've picked up or learned from speaking? Yeah, so last year I got the incredible opportunity to go to Heroic Public Speaking, which is a really big speaking conference with some of the best speakers in the world, like Michael Shaw and there's a bunch of other ones. And I learned so much about it. And just little things, like instead of walking directly onto the stage, you walk diagonally and straight towards the people. And just like little things like that that were super interesting and really changed the way your speech is. Interesting. So walking diagonal, like straight, what, what do you mean by that? Like instead of kind of doing a roundabout route once you get on stage or? Yeah. So instead of walking like to the middle of the stage, walk straight towards the audience and going to the front of the stage and being really engaged. Mm, I like that. What, what are some other like interesting tidbits that came from that? The main instructors went to acting school. So they're originally actors. They're on like law and order, like really good actors and just using acting techniques because you are acting you're performing when you're doing a public speaking 
And so using your body to convey your message. So if you're talking about big rapids, move your arms like a wave or not distracting, but just really paint the picture with your body and your words. Yeah. Was that something that like your parents were like, hey, there's this conference or was that something that you researched and found? You're like, I really want to go to this. I was at a kayak camp and in Canada and my mom emailed me and she was like, hey, there's this super cool program. I'm going to apply for it. Do you want to go? And I was like, yes, that sounds amazing. And so we applied for a scholarship and got a scholarship. And two weeks later, we were in Pennsylvania at the convention. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I mean, and your mom is like such a good communicator as well. She's done some really cool Skillshare classes and those have went over really well. And so it's, it'll be fun to to see you continue to speak. When you think about like your future and the things that you want to keep doing, obviously kayaking is going to be in the picture. I imagine you'll want to keep traveling and -hmm. speaking. Like what are the things that, how do you see those things kind of like meshing together? And it's kind of unfair to ask this question because I'm, I'm 28 and I'm still like, I don't know what the, I, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up, but it's like, what do you, how do you see those things meshing? Like what's the ideal kind of like lifestyle that you want to stitch together? So ever since I was 10, I've been joking that, or not joking, but I've been saying that I want to live in a Winnebago fuse. They're like my favorite thing ever. Dude, I love the fuses too. They're awesome. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I want one of those and, um, I don't know. This year, I kind of want to dip my toe into making documentaries and putting together all the footage from the Grand Canyon trip that I did a couple years ago. And entering that in a film festival is my goal. And seeing how I like that, and if I really enjoy that, maybe doing some more of that and more public speaking or blending the two together and whatever allows me to keep paddling on the river. When are you, uh, what's the kind of timeline that you want to do the documentary? So I'm doing it for one of the passages for my school. So within the next three years when I graduate, but hopefully this year. (laughs) Nice. I will tell you that uh, I'll commit to you something. If you want to, if you get the documentary done and edited by Mm -hmm. uh, March, you can premiere at our RVE Summit. Ooh, that'd be so exciting. <laughs> so I will put that out there. If you're okay. interested, we'll we'll make popcorn. I haven't talked to Alyssa, but it'll be awesome. So we'll, we'll make popcorn and we'll have we'll invite everyone at the conference one night and we'll sit down and watch your documentary. That would be amazing. The only problem is, is I didn't think about this until we left for Europe. And so all of the footage is in Colorado. And so I don't get to touch the footage until December. So we'll see. Oh. That might be a little tight. Yeah, that would we'll be a try. pretty aggressive timeline. Well, I just want to put yeah. it out there. You could always have somebody <laughs> ship it to you. Uh, exactly. <laughs> anyway, put it in the back of your mind. It's good to have a timeline of like it has to get done by a certain point. Otherwise, there's yeah. like, you know, something's going to happen. Um, anyway, so and we premiered our, our documentary at a conference and it was, yeah. it was a lot of fun. And it also gave us a date to like, we have to get this done because otherwise we're going to show up and look really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So yeah. I would encourage you. I, I saw some of the footage. It's amazing. I think it's going to be a really, really incredible documentary. And, you. you know, so I'm, I'm excited to, to get to watch that. I want to talk a little bit about business stuff since you have, yeah. I feel like you've been entrepreneurial, not just in your speaking and stuff, <laughs> but you, you raise money to go to worlds. And I know mm-hmm. you, I think you've also worked with a couple like kayaking companies from like a sponsorship perspective. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. So what are like, you're 16 now, almost 16. I'm 15. 15. Okay. Yeah. And you've like, what are some of the different like entrepreneurial endeavors that you've dipped your toe into? Mainly public speaking, but obviously I've been a sponsored athlete since I was 10 years old. 
So working with sponsorships and writing blogs and making videos and stuff like that. I've been doing since I was itty bitty. And uh, this year for the world championships, my parents were super excited that I made team, but they're like, we, this is your goal. This is your dream. And we want you to fund it because they've always set into me that it's really important to work for the things that you really love. So even when I was little, I'd have to save up for my toys and stuff just to teach me about money and saving and all that. And the same went for worlds. So I reached out, actually at RV Entrepreneurs of it, we met Jason and Rose who own an incredible business and are incredible people. And they have the squirrel cups, which I love. They're amazing. They're super good products and they're good for the environment and they're stainless steel and they're just incredible. And so I reached out to them asking if what it would take to put my own design on one of their mugs. And uh, I talked to them and it was super interesting. They were helping me learn the ways of business and it was super interesting and amazing. Yeah. So yeah, they run better for your, we've had them as our like mug sponsor yeah. for some of the past couple of years, by the way, I think you just renamed them in a pretty awesome way. Cause their logo is a squirrel. And I think the yeah. name squirrel cups is pretty <laughs> legit, like super memorable. So, yeah. so you, so you basically white labeled their mugs and you sold them. And how did you like, yeah. go, how did you go about knowing how to price them and things like that? I, yeah. <laughs> They definitely helped me a lot with that, just helping me what they normally price them for and all that. And they recommended $15, so I sold them for $15. And the whole thing that was great with that is both my parents and I, were, when we were talking about how we were going to make money to get to Worlds, was we both agreed that a GoFundMe wasn't the right way. We just didn't feel comfortable doing that. And that's super common for athletes to do. And I didn't think it was right to just ask for money, so I worked really hard on a product that I was super passionate about. I love that. Are they still for sale or no? They're not, no. Okay, sweet. <laughs> yeah, I think I, think I grabbed one. Crazy. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Thank I'm, you. Yeah, totally. No, I'm excited. I can't have too many of those mugs. They're legit. Definitely. Okay, so last question <laughs> I have for you, Abby, I ask this in each episode is, what's yeah. the biggest thing that you've learned in the past year? Hmm, that's a tough one. I think I've learned how much I love experiencing new things, which... You know, we've been doing the same thing for the past five years. We'd go in the same place and the same tour at the same time of the year. And I think this past two months in Europe and the next five months to come has really opened my eyes on how much I love exploring and how much I love new things and how important it is to try new things and keep it new and interesting. Yeah, I love that. That's a great takeaway. <laughs> it makes me excited, too, because we're coming over to Europe soon, so... It'll, yeah. It's getting me pumped to try something new. So thank you so much, Abby, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Where is a good place for people to connect with you on social media? You can follow me on Instagram at adventurous.miss. Nice. Awesome. Thanks so much, Abby. Yeah, thank you. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into that episode with Abby Holcomb. It was a blast talking to her. And at this time, I'm trying to convince her and her parents to come and speak again at our next RV Entrepreneur Summit. So if you're interested in coming to our event, which we're hosting in March of 2020 in Northern Alabama at a beautiful state park there, and you want to learn more, go to the RVEntrepreneur.com because we're releasing tickets on September 25th, and I would love to have you there. All right, I'll see you guys next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.